And you're welcome along to Gardening for this Saturday morning here on Midwest Radio. We're on the 19th of June. Pork, I was a little taken aback when I discovered we're on our second last programme. We are indeed. Yeah. So next week, next week is our final programme of uh, the, the summer spring, series yeah. until we come back in autumn again. So it's where I get to spend my Saturdays <laughs> in the garden. And, and Not getting up quite things. so early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, this is our second last show. So uh, so next week is our, our final show until the 1st of September again. Okay. So it's hard to believe yep. uh, how quickly... It has just flown Hasn't by it? like that. I, I'm, I was thinking actually only last week. Sure, ah, oh yeah, sure, we've loads to go yet, and we're really, we were just getting into the groove of it. And yeah. I, thought, I can't believe it's near. We're nearly finished. But anyway, we're nearly finished. Lots, lots of opportunity to put everything into practice then over, exactly. the, over the next couple of months. However, before all of that, we still have lots to talk about. We have and. Last week, you mentioned about uh, the, I won't chance the Latin uh, name on this now, but the perennial nasturtium. I did. Um, so this is the perennial nasturtium. I actually brought you in a plant. So here, here it is, uh, one to plant in your own garden. And really, I suppose the point I was making about uh, the perennial nasturtium, it's often called the Scottish flame creeper. It's a climbing plant. Uh, I have it in my own garden for 12 or 13 years now. But this year in particular, I noticed a lot of young seedlings probably the first year I've ever noticed as many seedlings growing right at the base of the plant. So I potted them up and it's a, it's a plant that's difficult to get. So we, we tend not to have it in the garden centre too often because mm. a lot of the nursery people find it very difficult to grow. Um, and, and so it's that little bit unusual, but such an easy plant to grow. It really is. And it's suitable for growing in particular up through other plants that you may have in your garden. So, for example, in my garden, it grows up through a large golden conifer. Uh, so you've got the lovely bright red flowers. It's a scarlet red flower that comes on the plant. It comes into flower kind of the first week of June and flowers right through till October. And I also have it growing through a copper beech hedge. And uh, so much so that when people pass the house, they're all the time pulling up and taking pieces of the plant because it is unusual. Well, that's the greatest compliment, I suppose. It is, but it won't grow from cuttings. That's the sad thing to to say. So people need to get, you need to get a plant and the plants are available at the moment. So I decided to pot them up myself and my young fella Luke potted them up uh, about six or eight weeks ago. And we decided to put them uh, on sale today and tomorrow for charity. So Brilliant. we're going to give all the proceeds away 100% uh, to charity. So if people are in the garden centre, we have them in our store in Turlock, in Castlebar only. And uh, if people pop in, I dropped the plants off last night. I don't know how quickly, they, they may all go today. Yeah. We have a limited number of them, um, but uh, they're on sale at the moment. And it's just one of those really pretty little plants. Probably one of, the, of my favourite plants flowering at this time of year. And just such, it's a no-nonsense plant. I mean, the only thing that, that actually affects it are the slugs. The slugs absolutely Oh, do love they? It. They do. Oh, right, no, not too much because yeah. it's such a vigorous plant anyway. It tends It'll to grow out of that right. anyway. Um, but but apart from that, it doesn't suffer from any pests or diseases. Uh, it dies back naturally at the end of the year and then reappears every spring. And uh, when I'm cutting the beech hedge, it gets a good old trimming back uh, normally in September, early October, just as it's going out of flower. And apart from that, I give it no care and it flowers every year. So it's a plant called Tropolinium speciosum. 
as the botanical name comes to us from Chile and it's in the perennial it's in the nasturtium family but it's a perennial nasturtium that comes back year after year and that, that they're the flowers the beautiful yeah they scarlet, are gorgeous aren't they yeah absolutely. and the foliage is very dainty as well so if people are knocking around Castlebar and they want to get an unusual plant that's easy to grow maybe if you've got a Leyland hedge or a laurel hedge or you've a big old conifer in the garden or a, or any hedge it'll plant it at the base of it that plant believe it or not it's about a foot high at the moment it will be up to six feet by this September. You may get a couple of flowers off it, but next year it'll be eight, nine, ten feet tall and it'll be absolutely gorgeous. So can it be planted directly into the ground now? Yeah, you plant it. So this plant, you simply take it out, take it out of the mm-hmm. pot, uh, prepare a nice uh, planting hole for it, a little bit of compost, plant it in and have it so that it's touching one, maybe the, the, the bottom branch of a tree or a hedge or whatever. And as soon as it feels it, it'll wrap itself around it and, and off it goes. goes. Keep it well watered for the first couple of, of weeks until it gets established. Do keep an eye on the, the slugs and snails whilst it's young, but yeah. after that, I don't bother treating it after that, um, and it's just such an easy plant to grow. And does it need a lot uh, of sunlight? or um, it, it will flower better in... It, where I actually have it facing is actually north facing, uh, now that I think of it, and it flowers brilliantly. Right. And now it's still getting plenty of light, so it's not directly in full sun, but it will flower so much better if it's in a sunny spot. So west facing, south facing, but having said all of that, I have it in a north-facing yeah. aspect now and that I think of it and it absolutely is covered in flowers. If people want to see the plant, I did a short little video mm-hmm. that Alan put up on the Midwest Radio Facebook page. So if you visit the, the Midwest Facebook page, right at the top you'll see a short video. It just shows the plant growing through the copper beech hedge That's that I have yeah. and I just do a small little narration on it just to explain the plant. And um, so people will get a sense of what it is and what it's like and, and the way it flowers and such a dainty little thing. Gorgeous. I think it's a little winner anyway. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, the proceeds going to charity. Going so to charity, absolutely. Very, very important. Brilliant. So people people well uh, notified, I think, that they're available now. So uh, if you would like to get something that's a little yeah. bit special and not available all the time. No. Lovely opportunity. I've put a, a, a tenor price tag on it, but if people want to give a few shillings more, we'll it's more that, than welcome. Okay. Every penny lovely, will go to lovely, charity. Lovely, lovely. Um, so that's it. The other thing I just to mention that I was in the garden centre this morning, mm-hmm. and this this beautiful arrangement of um, and, and I suppose June is the time of year for all the perennial plants. So things like the foxgloves and delphiniums and the lovely lupins and all of those alstroemerias, they're all beginning to flower now. It's been a very good year for cottage garden plants because I think the cool temperatures that we've had have allowed the plants to put on a little bit of bulk and a little bit of green foliage. And now that they're coming into flower, I remember remember last week. Is it last week we had the lupin in the pot that had we up did. to 50 blooms? This, yeah, they, uh, oh, I can't remember where it was now. Was it Kelchma? It was one of the, uh, one yes, of the tidy it, yeah, towns. Anyway, yeah, it was a super lupin anyway. Yeah. Really, really good. 50, so, yeah. so cottage garden plants are doing really well. Rudbeckias are beginning to grow and, and starting to flower and will come into flower very shortly. So it's a good time of year if you want to consider putting in that old cottage garden look because you'll actually see the plants coming into flower in your local garden centre. Pick the colours that suit your garden. But the soil conditions are absolutely uh, perfect and we do have wet weather coming tomorrow so if you're planting today the plants are going to get watered in really well but there's plenty of moisture in the soil it's really absolutely super planting weather word of warning we have a blight warning as well okay good from for tomorrow some measure issued a blight warning so you've got an opportunity to spray today obviously uh, in in this kind of dry weather you need to apply it and monday is to be quite wet as well so if, for people that have tomatoes 
or potato plants. Just uh, be careful that um, we're into the blight season and certainly tomorrow or Sunday, yeah, Sunday is going to be very conducive to the spread of blight. So Met Airden, issue that warning and advise people either to treat yesterday or today. Um, put on something like copper uh, fungicide, only the copper fungicides or the, the bear. The bear. Yeah, either we of those were, that we to, really I know we talked fairly extensively about yeah, and for listeners, uh, that last week on the and, programme. And for listeners that have sprayed with the bear, there's no need to treat them again. You know, it'll give at least two to three weeks of protection. So if you have treated your plants, then that's perfectly fine. But, but for listeners that may not have uh, treated their potatoes or tomatoes yet, tomorrow is certainly a, uh, there, there's an official blight warning from Met Aaron. Okay, great stuff. Um, now I know we've lots and lots of questions in so what we might do is we might take a quick break well actually no we'll take um, so we, we got something in the post yeah, it's not uh, yeah. often we get a, a, I know a we've, got, we've, got, we've gotten to the point where we get so many photographs in on WhatsApp that we've forgotten nearly what the real thing is Absolutely. like but Tony has uh, sent us in some photographs he and he's looking for a little assistance with identification of a plant yeah so Tony said and it's a, a lovely handwritten uh, letter from Tony in Castle Barn and he asks what is the name of this cacti it's about two years old and can I take uh, shoots from it. So Tony wants to obviously propagate the plant um, and has sent us in a, a photograph of the plant in flower. Um, I'm guessing that the, it was in flower. He has dated it May the 27th of the 5th. So the plant was hopefully was in flower uh, during the May, May period because it's one of the cacti family. Mm-hmm. And we have Christmas cacti that flowers at Christmas time. You'd often get them for sale in November, December in full flower. They tend to be shades of pinks and whites. But this is actually the Easter cacti. Okay. And it comes into flower uh, Easter time anytime really from March right through to the end of May. It's in flower. A beautiful red flower and it's such an easy plant to grow but also an easy plant to propagate. So my advice really for Tony is to let the plant go out of flower in a couple of weeks time within a month it'll have gone out of flower. So normally at the end of June, the first week of July take some stem cuttings. So you simply just cut a segment of the leaf, put it into, into a really gritty compost, maybe uh, Sixty percent sand, coarse sand, or perlite, and and thirty or forty percent compost. That kind of a gritty mixture. Cover them with a polythene bag, and they'll root within about a four week period. And that'll give you an extra little section, and that'll grow on as a natural plant. So it's the Easter cacti and um, relatively easy plant to grow. Be careful not to over, over pot it into too large a pot. Yeah. And a little bit of liquid feeding now would certainly bring it and, and bring it bring on the growth and, and um, help with the flowering for, for next spring again. So Easter, so yeah, I didn't realise there was two kinds. Easter, yeah, there's yeah. an Easter and a Christmas cacti okay. and they have that kind of very flat, uh, nearly trailing stems. Yes. Um, and one of each is lovely because you have one in flower through the winter period from November right through till January, early February and then the Easter cacti comes into flower. That's interesting. Would you have, be able to have the two of them in the one pot? You could actually. Yeah, yeah, it would actually be yeah. quite nice, wouldn't it? Well, you just have a bit of continuous. Yeah, the, I have a Christmas one, so uh, 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 well, hence, to Tony. Hence, hence the questions. Uh, to Tony, he might yeah. get you a yeah. <laughs> But absolutely, yeah. you could grow the two in the, in the one pot and then you've got flowers from November right through to it's a brilliant idea. Okay, there, there you go. go. You could do a, a plant swap, maybe. We could, we could. <laughs> okay, lovely. We're just flicking here through such a range of photographs and uh, questions. So we're going to go back to one, what's well, going to start with one that came in good and early uh, this morning.
morning, Porik. Um, so we've got uh, a plant in a pot. Yeah. Um, and it's a house plant and it seems to be in trouble. It's my daughter's, says Marie. Uh, she got it as a present last September. We changed the pot last weekend and fed it. The leaves are going brown and white and they're breaking a bit now. It was like that before we repotted it as well, says Marie. So what have we got and well, what is the well, problem? For, first of all, the plant is called Dracaena, Dracaena marginata. It's an indoor plant um, and it, it you tend to get the kind of uh, growth at the top of the stem as the leaves get older they go they, they move out to the outer edges they go yellow naturally go brown and fall off so you will always have a certain amount of browning on the older foliage anyway um, now having said that anything that's yellow anything that's damaged I would just trim that off at this stage they've done the right thing in terms of repotting the plant and this is actually a, June is, is a really good month for repotting just a word of caution after repotting indoor plants it's tempting to keep the compost quite moist because mm. obviously the plant is now in plenty of fresh compost and it, it it's not going to dry out to the same degree that it did in the smaller pot if that makes sense so reduce the watering to no more than once every 10 days with this plant maybe even once a fortnight will be enough a little bit of baby bio would be ideal as well it'll encourage kind of nice new green growth so it's just a matter there's nothing really wrong with the plant overall 90% of the plant is really healthy really green you will always have a certain amount of, of browning and yellowing with dracaenas that's just the nature of the beast and um, particularly on the older foliage so I would tidy all of that up take off any broken stems and just watch the watering once a fortnight and apply a little bit of baby bio with it. Brilliant. Uh, like, I mean, how, how old would that plant be? It's, I think that's a quite... I'd be very happy if it was in my house. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's standing probably about four feet high, yeah. so it's about six, seven years old yeah. from a small plant. Now, you can buy them at that stage. Right. So, so Marie may have may bought have it as a, okay. as, a as a kind of mature, mature plant. Yeah. Yeah. But a lovely plant and easy to grow. Keep it in kind of, it doesn't need direct sunlight. So can, you know, somewhere maybe slightly shaded um, would, would be perfectly fine. Super. Now, we're going to move on to formiums, Porik. Uh, what's the best thing to do with this growth emerging from formium? Can you take cuttings of plants at this time of year as well? well yeah, so in general, it's a, June is actually a really good time for taking what we call softwood cuttings. So if you've got hydrangeas or forsythiae or pericums or fuchsias, hebes, they all propagate really easy from cuttings during the month of June. Take small cuttings, only four or five inches long, strip off the leaves, take off any flowers that may be on the plant, little bit of rooting powder and put them into a gritty mixture of sand and compost or perlite and compost mm. after dipping them into the rooting powder and then cover them with a polythene bag and leave them sitting on your windowsill for about four weeks four to six weeks at this time of year. So small little short cuttings, that's the important thing. Going back to the formium, the way to propagate it is by division and you divide it in the autumn. So anytime from November onwards, you can simply dig the plant up, split it into five or six pieces and you've got yourself five or six new plants. So formiums, they're the New Zealand flax. Mm -hmm. This is a variegated variety. Um, and the spike we see coming out that they refer to is actually the flower spike. So you can allow it to flower. It's not particularly pretty. So to be honest, I would just trim it off because I think it actually takes away from the plant itself. So it's up to the listener uh, whether they want to trim it back. But the plant itself is perfectly healthy and doing really well. Brilliant. Now the next photograph we have in, I just think this is fantastic. You can nearly taste you them. Can nearly taste them. <laughs> Tom, good on you. First oh, Early's lovely. Home Guard grown in a bag from Horkins. They look amazing. They're absolutely. And Home Guard is a really, really good old-fashioned variety named after the war 
just after they after oh, people right. used to grow through yeah, the war, yeah, yeah. Home Guard, and and it was a really popular variety. It's one of the very first earlys, and Tom has done a brilliant job in growing them. A lovely a lovely crop of them, and it just shows how easy potatoes are to grow in containers and pots. Yeah, you know you can grow them in the veggie bag, like we talked about. You can grow them in refuse sacks. They're just so easy to grow in compost, so they're absolutely good. The other little tip for Tom, if he has a couple of, of uh, potatoes left over, yeah. you could actually replant them now again. So take a couple of... So of, a couple not, of smaller not ones. these ones, nope. because these oh, have been boiled. And oh, <laughs> are they boiled? Yeah. Just take a couple of seed potatoes yeah. of the home guard and actually plant them again into fresh compost and you'll have potatoes for Christmas. Oh, so there tip. you go, Tom. So Not save a, save a couple of the seed, a- put them back into. You can use the same container, get some fresh compost, a little bit of fertilizer, and replant them. Keep an eye on the blight during the summer period, and you'll have potatoes by November, December, ready for Christmas. Thanks for sharing that with us, Tom. Uh, we're going to move on to roses. Um, mm. So, question: My carpet roses keep shooting suckers. What's the cause of this? I keep keep cutting them off but the roses aren't doing as well this year and yeah, what's the best feed? Prized like the, first of all all roses are grafted onto a rootstock so um, this is what, what we refer to as the sucker and when the sucker starts to grow basically the root structure is under or the plant itself is under some form of stress um, the top portion the flower carpet portion mm. is dying back for some reason and uh, the rootstock because of that is trying to grow itself and it tends to outgrow the flower carpet so generally when you see plants producing or roses producing a lot of suckers it's an indication that the plants themselves are quite sick and and maybe on the way out and and from what the listener says there it sounds like that um really if they're very bad my advice would be to change the roses to put some you know put something new in so dig them up yeah well maybe send us in a photograph and we'll, let's have a look at them uh, but flower carpet is a relatively easy rose to grow having said that it, it's suffering for some reason and and the suckers particularly if they're continually producing and lots and lots of suckers is a sign that the plant is telling you that that the rose itself is on the way out and maybe it's time to change okay. it to something else it's trying it's trying to hang on and that's why yeah. the suckers the suckers are, are just they're more vigorous yeah. they tend to kick into growth and when the rose the 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 rose you buy as it were the named variety like flower carpet when that starts to suffer the sucker starts to take over okay now mm. we're going to move on uh Porik, can you identify this plant please i bought it in springtime but lost the label okay. and wondering what care does it require it doesn't seem to be doing much <laughs> I know, it's, it's, well, it's in a pot yeah and, and i would plant it out into the garden soil so if you remember last last week we had a similar question in um and, and we were talking about the chilean the Chilean lantern, um, the Chil- Chilean lantern, yeah, from Chile, which is beautiful red flowers at the moment, is absolutely spectacular. This is actually a similar variety, but one called Alice Hoffman. I think so, you mentioned Alice Hoffman last week. Did I? I well, I, that name rings a bell. There you go. So Alice Hoffman is is the pink flowering form of the Chilean lantern. So it's crinodendron. Alice Hoffman. I would plant it out into the garden soil. It's going to grow to about six or eight feet over its its lifetime. It's an evergreen plant. Beautiful flowers. Gorgeous flowers on it. Yeah, I think so it's really lovely. They're like a they're like a lantern, like a Chinese lantern, and they hang off the plant. But rather than it being a red, it's a it's a very very light shade of pink, darker pink in bud, and it nearly nearly opens to a really pale shell pink, nearly bordering on white. So I would take it out of the pot that it's in. Yeah. Replant it out into the garden soil now at this time of year keep it give it a good feeding and um it'll be a spectacular spectacular plant over its lifetime like it'll grow at least two meters in diameter and certainly six to eight feet in height 
And it's a real stunner when it's in full flower, it is. isn't and it? In the pot that, that it's in at the mm. moment, it's just too confined. It's it's still very, very healthy, but it will do so much better in the garden soil. Do put a little bit of ericaceous compost down with it. It's, it likes a slightly acid soil. And don't be tempted to plant it where it's going to be smothered by other plants. It's really a plant that is a kind of a specimen plant. So you want to plant it somewhere where you're actually It likes to show it. off. It, do, it likes to show off. That's a, that's a good way <laughs> of putting it. Yeah, yeah. So give it, a, give it its opportunity. Okay, great. So uh, we have some roses in oh, here, yeah. Porik. Oh, beautiful pink Lovely ones. Variety. Yeah. yeah. So these, are, these are the old moss roses. So this is a variety called red moss. It's mm-hmm. funny enough, it's, it's a pink flowering form. Again, very dark pink in bud, opening to a, a lighter shade of... Um, of, of pink as it opens but it's got that big heavy head of flower that you'd associate with old English gardens and uh, generally roses are actually doing really well this year I think the cooler spring has, has encouraged lots of leafy growth as you can see yeah. in this plant and loads of flowers at the moment as well Okay, so, and that was the question because we identified the rose so yeah. moss, moss roses Red moss, red yeah red moss is Lovely that? Um, no, we're just uh, a little oh, bit slow here. We got looks like begonias it to is, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, there's a big selection of photographs here for these begonias. So, uh, for the fir- thank you for the advice. And I'm wondering how to bring back my begonias after the hailstones destroyed them. They've thrived very well in two weeks. I'm very happy with them now. Here are a few pictures. Thanks again. Oh, right, this is a so kind of follow up from Kitty. Thank you. Do you remember this one that yes. we had the hailstones had damaged the, the leaves and there was lots of holes in them? And really, my advice at the time was just to pinch them back. I think this is Kitty with the 20 pots. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, they're, they're the damaged ones. There. Yeah. 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 So it's a great example of how the plants have really responded uh, really well to a little bit of care. That's Bacopa that's at the side and the lovely white Bacopa, which is nice, or red verbenas there as well. So the begonias, they're going to stay in flower for Kitty from now till November. Yeah. And you can save them uh, next year. Just bring the bulb in for the winter and the bulbs get bigger each year. But begonias are great because irrespective of the weather we get, they just perform in Ireland. In they, they love our, the our cool temperatures. So they've done really well. So delighted. Yeah, well well delighted done. To see Good that. to see things back. Yeah, and in th- two th- weeks, it's amazing. Isn't, yeah, just goes around. to show you, you think it's, yeah. things aren't going to come back and yeah. then they do. Yeah. Now, um, these are big leaf begonias. I'm worried about my begonias. The leaves are quite big. How did this happen and will they be slow to flower? Okay. Well, yeah. So begonias will will the, the the leaf can vary, and particularly if you're feeding them a lot and give them a lot of really good care, mm. you tend to get big leaves. Um, sometimes at the expense of flowers. So don't don't overfeed them. Certainly, once a fortnight is more than enough at the moment. Use something like the blooming magic, something that's high in potassium. Um, but there's a long flowering period yet available for um, for begonias. So don't worry about them. Just you know, continue what you're doing and, and they'll come into flower a bit like kitties. Give them two weeks, they'll be back in flower stunning, again. Stunning, stunning. Yeah. Thanks for sending those in. Now we've got something in a pot here, Pori. Can you identify this plant, please? Yeah, so this is Hesperus, the, the lovely sweet rocket that's flowering at the moment. It comes in shades of white and in shades of purple. Um, it's a wildflower. It's, and yep, the, the, so this the, is just a picture in a pot, incidentally. Listener listener. Listener. In, in a uh, and yeah. we can see the wheel of the car, so that yeah. will, will identify so, that so way. So Hesperus or... or um, Sweet rocket, it's often called, and it's a beautiful scented plant, easy to grow. I'd plant it out somewhere, maybe in a, you know, in a hedgerow, or if you had some other maybe cottage garden plants uh, to plant. So it's going to grow about a metre in height out in the open garden soil. Mm-hmm. It'll spread about a metre in diameter. It will self-seed, 
so you know it will start popping up in other areas if you allow it to seed uh, but a lovely little plant at the moment and you're often seeing it in a, in a shade of mauve at the moment in, in along the hedgerows or in older gardens okay um, now can you tell me the name of the red wild flowers that grow on the sides of roads and where they came from well, well it depends. Like there's, it's there's a few different ones. Yeah. So you've got you've got the Crocrosmia, the the. Um, they're the ones Ma- that I would kind of springs to mind for me. Mount Bricius, yeah, yeah Mount they're, they're probably they, they. Generally, the wild one is more an orange. It's an orange flower, but there is a variety of it called Lucifer, and Lucifer has these beautiful uh, scarlet red flowers, which are and it's a it's a more well-behaved uh, variety of Crocrosmia than the, the common wild Mombrisha. Uh, so it's more generally the Lucifer mm. variety is the one that's planted in, in gardens. gardens. But there's lots of different... Um, I think I mean, you can get yellow kinds and all yellows, kinds. yellows, all shades of orange, uh, different shades of, of red as well. Such an easy plant to grow. They love growing here in the west of Ireland. From memory, it's a South African plant, if memory serves me, Mount Mombrisha. Um, but super easy to grow and... Um, I mean, the other plant it might be is fuchsia, red fuchsia mm. is flowering at the moment, but it's probably the crocrosmia they're referring they're, to. Yeah, they're kind yeah. of, they, they, do, they are very arresting when you see them. Lovely plant. Yeah. Uh, can you take uh, cuttings from roses at the moment, Porek? You could, yeah. Noreen could take some cuttings, um, again, softwood cuttings, uh, so really short, kind of four to six inch cuttings, yeah. take off any flower buds any flower shoots strip off the leaves same process that I mentioned for the other plants the June late June July is a really super time for taking just short cuttings remember to put the polythene bag on them that's important and to have a really gritty compost and keep them inside on a windowsill just to keep them protected great uh, now we have uh, can you let me know why my lanterns are turning orange they were, are why my lanterns are turning turning well, orange? Maybe when they will. When they will. Yeah, okay. So, so this this is our friend the um, this is uh, the Chinese, Chinese lantern. lantern rather than the Chilean lantern. Not to confuse <laughs> yeah, people now. Confuse. <laughs> uh, so so they start green uh, and so this is exactly the way they should be looking at the moment and they really won't start to change colour until we get into the autumn. So you're really looking at uh, September, Halloween. That's normally. So when I come back with the autumn gardening show, I normally bring this plant in mm. uh, and it's it's just beginning to colour in October. So uh, you've got a long summer yet of enjoying the, probably by late August, early September. From then on, you'll start to see them turning yellow or uh, turning orange. Um, just continue to liquid feed. A high potassium feed is good, a tomato feed or Blooming Magic, something like that. That's all you need to do. Very easy plant to grow. Now, my dahlias, says Mavis, have been ravaged by the slugs. They've co- and I've covered, they're covered in slug pellets, but to no avail. Okay. Any well, suggestions? Well, you could try the Garlic Wonder. Yeah. I find that really successful. Um, look, it has been a season for slugs and snails because the cooler temperatures, they're feeding day and night. And... Uh, you know, dahlias will tend to outgrow them anyway. You know, continue to feed and look after your dahlias, and they're they're well able to put up with a small bit of slug and snail damage. Um, so the only other thing I can recommend really is the garlic run wonder. That's a liquid. You mix it in water. You just apply it to the foliage, and the slugs and snails dislike the taste of it. So the hostess growers use it. Would it be of any benefit now? And this is just total left of field. Um, and I don't know how tall these particular dahlias are, but if you could get a cloche or something and put them over them at night time, is that a lot of work? 
Yeah, and that the studs well, will still get to they'll them. They'll get underneath. Yeah, they get underneath. Dig, them. They'll borrow. Yeah, 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 they will. Okay. You could go out at night time and pick, pick them off. Pick them off, right. right <laughs> That's right. the other thing you could do. <laughs> but I know, look, dahlias are, are so easy to grow and, and so tough. A small bit of slug and snail damage is no harm. Okay, if they're ravishing them, it's different. Um, and maybe try the garlic wonder there. Okay. Uh, my, my geraniums are gone a purple brown colour. What could be wrong? Well, generally, if these are the traditional indoor geraniums, the kind of, you know, the lovely reds and oranges and, and white geraniums that we, we see with bedding plants and so on. If they go red, it's generally an indication that the plants are hungry. Um, so a kind of reddish tinge. It can also be due to cooler weather. So when we do get kind of cold weather, uh, geraniums will take on that reddish appearance and they, they grow b- naturally back out of it again. Tomato plants often do that as well. You see this kind of red streaking or purple streaking coming into the leaf. Um, I wouldn't really worry about them. Just you know, continue to make sure that they're fed but not overfed and um, they, they'll grow out of it as the weather warms up. Now, here's another bit of a stunner, I think. Uh, a palm, which is showing quite a bit of browning on its leaves. Is this a problem, asks Mikey's in Kilasser. Not a problem. Not a problem. I think that so looks this, pretty good, Mike. This is, this is the Chusian uh, palm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a particular type of hardy outdoor palm. Um, not dissimilar to the to the cord line and the way it grows mm. but it has a thicker more coarser bark than this is totally natural so this is the way Chusian palm actually grows so the new fronds come from the centre they push the older ones out and you get this hairy kind of gnarly yeah. um, you know uh, very interesting very in terms interesting. of visuals and texture it's and like all that it's like a tropical palm yeah, it is very yeah, much it's like yeah. a tropical palm now Tony could if you wanted trim the, some of the, the the brown stems they could be trimmed back a little bit harder just to tidy the so all the little brown stubs of stems that are left up along the main the, trunk of the main, it yeah. they could be trimmed off and tidied up and, and that will you know help the appearance of thing but overall I mean that plant that plant is probably worth five or six hundred euros oh my goodness to buy a plant of that size easy easy Chusium palm lovely little thing obviously he has it for quite a while it's growing in a pot there and you can plant it out in the garden soil it's it's totally hardy here in Ireland so the bit of browning on the leaves is not an issue not a problem right there you go not we'll do the lettuce there while we're, while we're looking at it <laughs> uh, so we have a picture a couple of pictures here of lettuce in I think a seed tray by the looks of things there yeah. or at least a small enough container yeah. I planted little gem lettuce two months ago but now some of the leaves have turned yellow they've been well watered and have had plenty of sun <laughs> so we're missing one ingredient I suspect we, we sure are and that's just down to nutrition so look at the what I would do is literally take them now and plant them either out into the garden soil or plant them up into maybe a window box or container spacing them at least six inches apart they're just too confined in the tray and they're doing actually very well for the size of the container that they're in to be honest so um, so look at all they need to be is transplant them uh, give them a liquid feed and remember with lettuce plants rather than cutting the head Little Gem would be a great example of that. It makes a beautiful small heads of lettuce, really soft lettuce, mm. and just peel it like an onion right. and take what you need for and a salad. Cut and come sort of approach. Cut and come and let it come back right through. It'll continue. Those plants will will give you fresh lettuce for the next six months if you pot them up pot now. Them up. Yeah, right. Give them months. a bit more space yeah, and yeah, a bit of yeah. a feed. Uh, now, mm. let's talk about cherry trees. Yes. Anne has a question. Right. She planted them about two years ago. She's got two. They didn't flower at all this year. Last year, they'd lovely white flowers, but this year, the leaves are brown. 
with little small holes wondering what might be wrong. Yeah, and look, it's a newly planted, it's only two years planted and you'll often find this when you go to your local garden centre and you buy a cherry tree or many plants, magnolias, because they're in pots, they're confined and of course it'll force them into flowering. But once you plant them into the garden soil, they tend to start growing a lot and forsake the, the, the need to flower for several years. So the plant uh, will produce lots of new growth, new energy and so on. The fact that the leaves are going a bit yellow and that these small kind of holes in them would indicate possibly capsid bug, which is a small pest that feeds on cherry leaves. Um, but to be honest, all I would do is give them a good feed of a granulated fertiliser, refeed them again in July, and they'll be perfectly fine. It'll kick them back into growth and they'll replace any of those yellow leaves or damaged leaves with fresh growth. It might take them another two years to flower. And that's perfectly natural with cherries. So, and it is more important that the trees are growing healthy you're better to have your the trees and your magnolias or whatever growing really healthy for three or four years and then let them settle down to flowering because they'll flower every year after that. Brilliant. Now, is Roundup Gel still on the market or is there, or is there a replacement for no, it? It should be, it should be available. Um, check in your local garden centre. You know, a lot of, a lot of garden centres are cutting down on, on um, the range of, of uh, sprays and treatments. The Roundup Gel is literally a gel that you dab on it's for, see, for, a small, for small areas, really. Yeah, say you it? had a briar growing up yeah. through a hedge, you'd use it in that instant. Yeah. So yeah. it should be available to check in, in your local garden centre. Okay, lovely. Uh, now, a couple of spod questions. I've golden wonder potatoes set in my greenhouse. I dug a few. Some of them are tiny, the others are average. Why might they be so small? What do you think? Ah, here. <clears throat> golden uh, wonders. Golden, golden wonders, wonders, normally you don't harvest them until later. September, early October. So it's just too early uh, for them to mature yet. Um, you know, you can always take you can always take some of the larger ones if you want. Just, you know, nudge them away from the plant gently without digging the old stalk up completely and allow the other tubers to develop. But main, but uh, Golden Wonder is a main crop variety like Rooster or, or Curse Pink. It's actually one of the latest of all the... Uh, um, main crop and hence that's why we tend to see them available in the shops for Christmas and January and February you'll always get golden wonders it's a beautiful flowery variety well worth growing so persevere with it the fact that it's in the greenhouse remember it needs copious amounts of water as well particularly once they start to flower and the tubers are beginning to swell so keep them well irrigated uh, during the summer period but it's just too early to be harvesting them yet Home guard, as yes. Tom had grown, that they're the they're, ones, they're and, the ones and Duke of York looking, yes. and, and so on. If so you want early potatoes, bit of patience, I'm afraid, yeah, on those yeah, ones. Yeah. Uh, also, somebody's got some potato stalks. They're three foot high. They're in a glass house, and they're wondering should the stalks be cut back. Well, you could, if they're beginning to fall over a bit or they're getting kind of unwieldy and, and generally in the greenhouse, if it's if it's poorly ventilated, if you're not letting plenty of air in, you, the potatoes will naturally grow very stemmy and stalky. You could take a foot off them just mm-hmm. to tidy them up, but don't cut too bad much of the foliage because that's the way they produce their energy and photosynthesize and produce their tubers. Uh, so you could do a tidying up, that's not going to affect them at all, um, and maybe take a foot off them just to make them more... Uh, sturdy. Now, what are the best soil conditions for roses and camellias and what's best for diseases in roses? And I noticed somebody else is asking <clears throat> as well, is it possible to spray the roses with the potato plight spray? Well, you could use it, but you're better off using something like Rose Rescue or Rose Clear. And, and a good tip for people that if you are, if you have a bed of roses and you're all the time using Rose Clear, switch to a different treatment like Rose Rescue because they have a different mix and, and a different fungicide and insecticide. So generally when you're buying those treatments, you're buying uh, pest control and disease control all in the one container. Mm. Normally you apply them once a month. Ideally apply them in late evening uh, when the bees are, are not present and um, just apply it to the entire foliage and feed 
feed roses once a month as well. So regular feeding and regular treatments and switch the treatments from, so if you're using Rose Rescue, use Rose Clear and vice versa. The tomato, um, the potato or spray I should say, yeah. will help against any fungicide. It is a fungicide so it'll, it'll, it'll help against any diseases like black spot but to be honest I would stick to the traditional treatments for roses. Great. Holly Tree Golden King, leaves are falling fast and they've black spots. Can anything be done? I'd rather not lose it. Yeah I would and and I've noticed this actually this year and a lot of evergreen plants mm. like hollies and um, ma- uh, not maples but uh, spotted laurels uh, with the high water table this winter there's a lot of uh, dieback on, on particular plants that are sensitive to, to, to high water table or very wet soils in the winter period. So I think you're seeing that with your golden king and what will probably happen is it'll lose maybe 30 or 40% of its leaves, but it'll regrow again. Right. So it's really just a carryover from the very, very wet right. season and spring we had this year. And I've, I've seen a couple of my own plants in the garden, uh, particularly spotted laurels and hollies showing that this year. Yeah. So don't worry about it. The plant will kick back into growth, give it a feed and it'll be perfectly fine. Somebody is wondering, what is the best type of tree for absorbing carbon from the air? Well, I would start by saying any tree because because uh, trees trees take in carbon dioxide and they excrete oxygen as all plants do. And But particularly large leafy trees are great. So lime trees, depending on the space you have, of mm. course, uh, but lime trees would be one of the best. Uh, they produce fabulous big leaves. They come into leaf very early in the season. They hold the leaves late into, into the uh, winter or into the autumn, I should say. And they're a brilliant flowering tree, particularly for bees. And uh, they're one of the, the very, very best. And the best examples I've seen of them are, are the trees in the Phoenix Park. So where where our president has his his uh, beehives, yeah. he's got a whole row of lime, lime trees. trees growing. So lime trees, um, anything you know, birch trees are really good as well. Particularly trees that come into early in the season. Maples would do really well. So the planting of any tree, you're doing your bit for for, for the environment. environment. What's the best time to divide white lilies? I'd like to give some to my friend to grow in their garden. Okay, well leave leave it Eileen till till autumn. I mean they're in flower at the moment, they're fabulous at the moment, so it's tempting to maybe divide them up, but you you'll disturb the plants. So and uh, they'll be available in your local garden centre as well to, to get in, in various different sizes. But in terms of dividing your own, leave it until I would say late September, early October. And they transplant no problem whatsoever. And Kitty is wondering how do I get water lilies started in my pond? Very good. Um, and water lilies come in, in, in different varieties um, so it, depending on the depth of your pond you can mm-hmm. get a pond lily suitable ideally you buy them in your local garden centre at the moment you need to put a brick or a stone underneath the water lily um, so that the leaves are just about three to four inches below the surface of the of the water the surface of the of the yeah the water the soil I was going to say and then as the leaves grow up to the surface you take out the brick and gradually reduce it down into the bottom of the pond if that makes sense okay so it's a gradual process so don't just buy the pond lily and, and dump, and dump it, it into in. the pond gradually let it um uh, that the leaves come to the surface of the water and then move it gradually down. So it's a kind of a gradual process. But they're very easy to grow um, and they do die back a little bit in the winter. They die back significantly in the winter and then re-emerge every spring. You repot them every three to four years into a larger basket or container. Um, but yeah, pond lilies are... And it's a great time of year for actually adding water plants in general 
to ponds. Ponds. Yeah. Uh, I took seven large bags of moss from my yard. Good on you. Well, How can I keep it from uh, keep it off now, please? Well, and it is something that people just may be too aware th- aware that moss is beginning to creep back into lawns at the moment. I actually treated my own lawn last week with the zero again because it's, mm. it's beginning to surface again on on driveways. The the treatment to use is the pack. Yep. Um, and after removing all the moss, uh, my advice really is to treat it now and you, any remnants we, you'll actually kill it off and, and if we do get a wet summer maybe repeat it again in September. Okay, great. Uh, that's fair work now, uh, removing seven bags. Uh, yeah, well the pack will, will, will well, control it within seven days. days. It'll el- eliminate any moss that's there. Okay, uh, how can I get rid of chicken weed? Oh, <laughs> chickweed or chicken <laughs> weed. It's a, it's it's, a scourge it's of a every scourge. garden. Yeah. And, and look, there's no, um, I mean the garden hoe is really probably the best way to to, um, to get rid of it if you don't want to be using herbicides or sprays it's just one of those persistent weeds and within seven days it's kind of back up again so you just have to keep on top of it the key really is to stop it from flowering because if you let it flower you're just going to be plagued next year again with it Now why are pansies dying? It's like something is eating the roots Well there's something could be eating the roots I mean our friends the leather jackets are, are um uh, would, would, would would eat the roots of, of pansies and, and plants in general. They're not fussy. So it could be a, just a, a root pest. Chafter grub is another. So we do have soil pests that, that eat the roots of plants. Pansies aren't terrific during the summer period anyway. They tend to flower better during the autumn, winter, spring. So they're lovely kind of up to now. But once we get into a bit of heat, pansies tend to go out of flower very quickly. You'll notice they get very leggy mm. and they tend to go off at this time of year. So I'm not a big fan of them over the summer period, really planting them in the autumn for winter, autumn, winter, spring colour. So they like the cooler temperatures uh, during that period. And once we get into a bit of heat, they tend to get stretched and get a bit elongated and and they tend to go out of flower very quickly. So they're a a cold flowering plant really. So stick maybe to the summer bedding plants. And hang on to them until you really need a bit of colour when when there's less options available. Exactly. Use them in the autumn. They're they're totally winter hardy. Some lovely winter flowering pansies that stay in flower to the end of or right up Mm. till April. But once we get into June and the warmer temperatures they tend to go off. Okay. How to grow strawberry and tomato plants organically and do you pick off the top shoots of the tomatoes? Well first of all you remove the side shoots. So any side shoots so depending on the variety, but if you t- if you pick a traditional variety like Shirley or Moneymaker Alicante, they grow in, on a straight stem, and you remove the side shoots. So any shoots that appear between the leaf, the stem of the plant, and the leaf axle, you remove. And then when the plant is about five feet tall, you can take the top of the plant out, and that encourages the ripening of the all the trusses beneath that. So normally you stop the tomatoes around five, maybe five and a half feet tall, okay. um, and. Organically, I mean, just feed with organic feeds, really. Okay. Um, what's the name of the plant Porik is talking about, the one on sale for charity? Okay. Have you, can you write this down? So it's a plant called Tropolinium speciosum. The common name for it is the perennial nasturtium, or it's often called the Scottish flame creeper. As I say, if you go on to the Facebook page on Midwest Radio, you'll see a little video that I put together, and I think I've actually put the name of the plant on the video as well. Okay, great. We have a photograph in Porig sure uh, of something uh, of some <laughs> kind of a bush. Sorry, now I'm very easy. I'm no, I'm no addition. I, I'm wondering what was this? What is wrong with this uh, particular plant? Or what wondering what this older 
Yeah, so this is very Geshe Poplar. Okay, thanks. So Poplar, Poplus Candican Aurora is the actual name of it. Um, It's the very Geshe Poplar, very popular plant back in the 80s, 90s, uh, very common in Ireland. Um, And it's got those variegated leaves. There's nothing wrong with the plant. It's, it's, or the the person probably thinks it shouldn't be the colour it is. That's probably the question. Oh yeah, so this, this plant is exactly as it should be. It has the, the young leaves are white to start a kind of a pinkish white and the later turn to a, gr- a greenish colour. It's a plant that really responds to heavy pruning. So I would prune this really hard back, taking three or four feet off it every year and allowing it to regrow. So prune it in the winter and allow it to regrow because the more new growth it has, the better the colour in the plant. So it's totally natural to be the, to be this, this colour, this variegated okay. colour. Great. Um... I don't know what that is. We'll move on. What's the best treatment for a a two-year-old plum tree with green fly? Very little fruit. Yeah, well, uh, unless the green fly is very bad. If you want to use something natural, use the bug clear. Bug clear um, works really Mm -hmm. well on on fruiting plants and very effective in controlling uh, aphids on all fruiting plants. And it's it's specifically for fruit and vegetables. So it's called bug clear fruit and veg. You simply apply it onto the new stems of the plants and that keeps them. And it covers a multitude. Covers a multitude. Great. Uh, Colour in my garden. I'm afraid we just don't have time for that, but we'll check it out later on. Um, And we'll come back to that as well. Sorry, now loads... Oh my goodness, oh, what's that's this? Oh, that's lovely. That's an uh, Echeveria, yeah. So, growing in my front porch, could you name it yeah, for me, Yeah, so please? this is a plant called Echeveria. Echeveria. Uh, it's in the in the house leek family. Uh, the so house leek? You, yeah, there's a, a plant called the house leek. Right. And, and there's an Irish name for it because years ago it used to be growing out of doors on, on thatched roofs. So it's like a small cacti. That's amazing. Isn't it? So that's a plant. That's a beautiful thing. And it's a really easy plant to grow. It's actually a plant that grows on neglect. So to describe it to the rest of our listeners, it looks like a cacti. It's got bluish silver foliage that it keeps 12 months of the year. And it produces this lovely orange flower through the summer period. So it's a plant called Echeveria. um, And super, super simple plant to grow. It will actually grow outdoors, but you need a really gritty soil, um, you know, plenty of sand or grit in the soil. A rockery or a really gravelly, sandy soil, it really grows well out of doors. But here it's grown, I'd say, in a little a porch. Yeah. yeah, in a pot, uh, in a porch, and it's absolutely spectacular. And so it's big. It's big, yeah. Well, the leaves, the, the the rosette that you're looking at there is probably eight inches in diameter, and it propagates really easy. You can take a small little piece of the plant and propagate it. So okay. it's a lovely little thing. Okay. Echeveria. Echeveria. Echeveria, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Echeveria. Nice. It's a really good specimen, I have to oh, say. Glad to, <laughs> thanks for sharing it. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there, Porik, uh, because time has just caught up with us. Okay, so look, we'll do it all again next Saturday. And just re- to remind people that the the uh, perennial nasturtium they're available in the garden yeah. centre. They'll probably be gone by today, to be quite honest. And uh, all proceeds will go to charity. And I'll let you know next week how we got on. Brilliant! Looking forward to hearing about that. Okay. Thanks for Thanks. all of uh, that advice and information. And as Cork says, we'll be back again. But uh, for the final program of the current season, anyway, uh, next Saturday is just after nine. I'll be back though, just after seven, all going well. Do stand by, Michael Neary coming your way next with Country Classics. Until next week, good morning to you. Have a great weekend.